This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to talk about one of the most innovative, eclectic, and sometimes maybe referred to as eccentric musicians in all of jazz who is still actively performing today and with us, and that's Sonny Rollins. He is a wonderful saxophonist, very inventive, has a very unique approach to playing, a sound that has evolved over the years, but also quite identifiable and easy to discern. A great composer, a band leader, played with some of the greatest musicians in the second half of the 20th century and into the 21st century, is still actively performing. He is probably close to 79, maybe close to 80 years old by now. Sonny was born in 1930 in Harlem, and in his neighborhood there were quite a few other musicians. He had a very strong family upbringing. His grandmother, who helped to raise him, was a Marcus Garveyite, and she instilled in him a strong sense of identity, and sometimes that manifests in his music. He was first influenced by Louis Jordan, great jump alto saxophonist, but his real model was the great Coleman Hawkins. Early on in his career, he was only 18 or 19, um, so this is about 1948-49, he was able to record with Thelonious Monk, who lived in the neighborhood. He also recorded with Fats Navarro, Miles Davis, early on in his career. Now, he's about the same age, or maybe a little younger than John Coltrane, but Rollins was able to find success early in his career. Um, I'd like to start out the show by playing um, one of his earliest recordings, and it's with Bud Powell, the great uh, prototypical bebop pianist, playing a piece called Bouncing with Bud, and also features um, the trumpet player Fats Navarro. As I said before, some of his early influences were, of course, the great bebop saxophonist Charlie Parker and, of course, being around uh, Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell. But his sound, the blueprint for his sound and approach to playing harmonically was Coleman Hawkins. The first time I heard Rollins play, I, I, I admired his great inventiveness and the technique, but the sound really was, was very different. It didn't sound so much like Dexter Gordon or, or Coltrane or Stan Getz, who had you know more typical uh, tenor saxophone sounds. Rollins' sound is really big with great overtones. It's, it's been described as muscular, sometimes overly aggressive. I guess if I can make a, a make a comparison, if you were to take a trash can, now just just stay with me for a second, a metal trash can, and it's empty, it's clean, never been used, and you were to take your horn or just open the top of it and yell into that trash can, you get this tremendous reverb and echo, and the sound bouncing around off that metal is really different from your normal speaking or playing sound. And when I would hear Rollins, it reminded me of that much sound, that volume of sound, not in terms of loudness, but an enormous sound. And that's 
one of his trademarks is that unusual sound. Sometimes it's gruff, sometimes it's soft, but it's really unmistakable. And by the late 40s, his sound has become very well developed and, and really um, stays that way for most of his career with some changes. One of the other things that is interesting about Rollins' playing is that he likes to use a, a technique we call thematic improvisation. When he improvises, he often refers back to bits and pieces of the melody. For instance, the opening to Beethoven's fifth um, symphony first movement is what we call a motive, a chunk of melody. And throughout the first movement, at certain points, Beethoven will refer back to that chunk of melody and he will use it. He'll stretch it, turn it upside down. But it's a unifying factor. A lot of musicians, um, when they improvise, they kind of improvise in what we call a stream of consciousness where the melodies just keep evolving and there's very little reference back to the original melody. Rollins, um, whether he did it consciously or unconsciously, developed that style of playing, and it's always been one of his trademarks. In the early 50s, he was part of that great bebop movement. Now, one of the great afflictions of jazz musicians in the early 50s was heroin addiction, and Rollins fell into that trap. So between about 1951 and about 54 or 55, his, his recordings are a little bit inconsistent, but he made some great recordings with great beboppers. He befriended uh, Thelonious Monk, spent a lot of time, and learned a lot from Thelonious some of his most famous recordings from that early 50s period come um, in Miles Davis-led recordings. In fact, in the early 50s, he was probably Miles Davis's favorite tenor player, and he also wrote a lot of songs in the early and mid-1950s. A very important record from 1954 was a Miles Davis record called Bags Groove. On this particular record, um, Sonny contributed a number of songs. Probably the most famous is a song called Arigen, which is the word Nigeria spelled backwards. Let's give this a listen. So that recording was made in 1954. By 1954, 1955, um, Sonny was able to kick his heroin habit. Getting rid of that, as it was called, a monkey on the back, really helped him to really delve back into his music and continue to grow. I mean, he showed such great potential. And as with many jazz musicians in that period, they recorded a lot, often um, with variety of different groups, some more commercial, some more, you know, serious jazz oriented. And Sonny was making a lot of records in the 1950s. Now, 
By 1955, Rollins has developed quite a good reputation as a solid, inventive, dependable saxophonist who brings to the table um, this wonderful approach to improvisation, an incredible rhythmic sense. In fact, when you talk about Rollins, some of the strongest aspects of his playing is his sense of rhythm and the way he's able to stretch things and play complex rhythms and leave little bits of space and create such tension with that and the thematic approach to his playing and, of course, incredible harmonic sense and beautiful sound, as I said before, comes to the forefront in the mid-1950s. comes on the scene a great hard bop quintet led by Max Roach and Clifford Brown. I believe it was late 1955, Harold Land had to leave the group, the tenor player with the Clifford Brown-Max Roach uh, quintet. And his wife was having a baby. He left. They needed a replacement. At this time, Sonny was spending, um, I believe he was living in Chicago, was spending a lot of time there. And he was good friends with Max Roach. And he needed a job. And for him, it was just kind of a, another gig. It was another opportunity to make some money, play with some very, very creative musicians, and play with one of the most popular hard bop groups um, in the country at that time. They made one recording where Sonny Rollins was the lead. It was called Sonny Rollins Plus Four. We're going to listen to one track from this record. It's an original composition by Sonny Rollins called Pent Up House. things you'll notice about Sonny is that he'll revel in his own sound because it is so unique and is so big with these amazing overtones. It's gigantic. It sometimes has been described as almost cello-like. It's dark and muscular and it has this wonderful singing quality to it. One of the interesting things about Rollins is his selection of songs for records. 
especially in the 50s and 60s. He's a very good composer, and some of his compositions had become jazz standards. But often he would record Broadway show tunes, songs that you ordinarily wouldn't associate with jazz performance. Now, Miles would do that, but Sonny picked some really interesting songs, songs you, you associate with maybe like Ethel Merman singing on the Ed Sullivan show, but not a creative jazz musician. But he would pick these songs, and I think he picked them because they had strong melodies and great rhythm, and he would play with those melodies and those rhythms and use them to be a unifying factor on his improvisations. We're going to close today's um, session with a recording of... There's no business like show business from one of Sonny's uh, first records as a leader from 1955. This red name of the record is called Work Time. This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.